Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. St. John, thank you for coming on our podcast. I, we are we are so excited. Like we've been. That's also why I reached out so early. I was like, this is going to take months to schedule. <laughs> we'll get like our feet wet. We'll do this yeah. a few times. Yeah. So we're not like you know. So no, we're still amateur, but you know. Okay, you don't really need an introduction, but here's you know, uh-huh. Hall of Fame inducted marketing exec, author, entrepreneur. Pays it forward with the Badass Workshop. Hey. Amazing. <laughs> Just completely so influential. So amazing. Also happened to be my first real boss out amazing. of college. Wow. How lucky am That's I? That's wild. Definitely was spoiled by that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, we really wanted you on. Oh, and Mother Talayal. How oh, could I forget? Yes. Most important. Most important. My boo. Honestly, we really wanted you on. Like, obviously, there's... Um, we talked about this multiple times. I was like, she's just done it all, right? Like, she's amazing. You're you're writing this book. You're incredible. Like, you've been so always so inspiring to me. I think you know that, but... That's, you know, goes without saying. But the reason we really wanted you on is because to me, like it's not the awards and the titles and the, you know, CMO of Netflix and CBO of Uber. That's so impressive. What's always been so impressive to me is that you live in your truth. Mm. And yeah, I (laughs) am just realizing, especially through my 20s and now being in my early 30s, I'm like, wow, life is really just about getting closer to yourself. Yes. Right? Ooh. Like that is yeah. what I've realized life is about. That's I'm like, I'm just journey. walking home to me. Yeah. Mm. And we were listening to one of your podcasts actually. And I didn't know that you had gone blonde at some point to try and fit in. <laughs> but you, yeah. when I met you, I was blonde. Yes, you were blonde. Yes. And I recently went back to Brunette and I have this theory that it's like me, you know, being like repressed. Like yeah. I was like, I want to fit in. I want to be white. I want to be blonde. And now I'm like, no, 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 I'm yeah. Persian and I should be proud of that. Yeah. And like, it looks way better. What was I doing? Oh my God, what was yeah. I doing? Why was I doing that? Right? But, well, that's yes. so funny. It's like, we're always chasing things that are, or at least in my experience, oh my I definitely gosh. have been chasing a lot of things that like, we're not, that, you know, right? By the way, that's a good, that's a good like title of a book. Journey Back to Myself. That's good. Walking Home write to that. Yourself. I'm going to write that. Write that. I would yeah. like to write that. 
Um, <laughs> once I get there. Yeah. <laughs> when we arrive. I'm, I'm still walking. I'm still, right. walking. still walking. <laughs> I've like taken a few steps backwards yeah, 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 and like yeah. get Look, very distracted. Girl, you probably went around the corner, came Always. back, picked up somebody. Always. Stopped well, and had a conversation. Right, you, I mean, that's a big part of this too is like, yeah, yeah. there's a ton of podcasts about, like you said, how to be successful. Step one, step two. We really connected. We are newer friends, but we really bonded. We had a deep bond from the beginning. And our connection about this podcast was like, we had this moment of like, why do we have everything on the outside, but we're not very, we don't feel like we're living our truest, most fulfilled selves on the inside. Like, mm, and yeah. that, and you know, and that the risk of sounding almost ungrateful. Cause I was like, I have, I did it all, you know, I mm. like got those jobs and I met those people and I yeah. like got that boyfriend. Yeah who maybe walked me away from myself, but like, <laughs> that's a bit, that was, that was around the corner type situation. Forces. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. But, and then we just kind of came, we're like, well, because we've unknowingly subscribed to what other people probably, or like what the world has decided success is. Yeah. And that's not success. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that is exactly why we're here. Amazing. And we want to have this vulnerable conversation with you and learn about more than like, how did you become this? How did you become the CMO of Netflix? Or how did you get to all these places? Is like, yeah. how did you stay true to yourself? Yeah. In a world yeah. where we're constantly looking at other people's papers, we're getting, we're never yes. in our own lanes, right? Yeah. Because of social media, which can be a positive force. Like, I think you've used it as an amazing tool. Mm -hmm. However, uh, you know, you needed a strong mindset to go in there and not get right. knocked around. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's why that's we're here. One. Thank you I for being it. here. I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm glad to talk so about that. so grateful. We always start with, what is your definition of fulfillment? Definition of fulfillment. That's it's such a tough one. Because mm -hmm. you know what? Because I feel like it constantly changes. That's you know, a good it's thing. Not, we're it's it's, not, a, it's not a constant. And so it's like, you know, what was fulfillment to me in my 20s mm -hmm. was something different than it is to me now in my mid-40s, right? Right. And by the way, well, it was different in January. Right. It was, it, it's different today. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But and what's so, like the constant theme of it? Because um, it's not an external thing. No, it's, it's not. It's not. It's like a feeling. I also um, think people need to hear that it changes. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. as a woman, does, I think it gets hard. Because the thing hard. is that, you know, it's like, I don't like the idea of like hashtag goals. Yeah, I, I don't know. like the idea of like, yeah, I don't like the five or 10 year plans. I don't like the mm -mm. like pro and con. I hate all those lists. Because they keep you so static. It doesn't right. allow you to move and be nimble, Above, yeah. you know? And we get stuck in it because we think like, oh, yeah, you know, I, ha I have this plan. Like that's what, This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And then you're stuck on the plan. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have like an idea of where you want to go, but does it have to be so literal? You know, can it be a little more intangible? So perhaps my idea of fulfillment, and this might sound corny, but it, it feels like happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like satisfaction. It feels like waking up in the morning and feeling like, yeah, I'm going to go do it. Like you feels like you're on your path. Yeah. Yeah. Even when, even when you take a break, even when you step off, you know? And even to me, that's what I mean by like in January, I came out the new year still as the chief marketing officer of Netflix, the biggest, most influential entertainment company on the planet. Mm -hmm. You know? And we were coming off of a big high. And by the end of February, I was like, mm, I think I'm done with this. Right. You know? And so what did fulfillment look like to me on January 1 versus March 1? Yeah. <laughs> was very different. so different. 
you know? And by the way, to some degree, when I left, you know, I was just like, eh, kind of like what I've always done my entire career. Just like, okay, I'm going to gonna follow the thing I want to do. I'm going to do whatever I want to do next, you know? But then there was a moment where I was just like, oh, shit, I don't know what that is. Right. Even after all of this time, even with confidence, even with knowing that like, oh, yeah, I have a greater purpose and there are other things I want to do with my life, not just be in the corporate space. But even with that, I was like, ooh, you know, do I need a title? <laughs> do I need like a company so the people respect me and know that when I walk in the room, like, don't fuck with me? Right. Do I need that? You know? And yeah, sometimes I felt like I did need it. And so fulfillment then started to feel a little bit unattainable because I was chasing after something that no longer existed. Right. And so my world had changed, you know? And I think that's what happens to us is that if I was still then stuck to the idea that, okay, I've got to have this job, which leads to the next job, which is, and then by the way, yes, external pressures. So people are like, oh yeah, you know, you've been a CMO like at four companies. Shouldn't you be a CEO by now? Uh, okay. You know? <laughs> and if I was following that thing and feeling that pressure, then of course I would be unfulfilled. Was there ever a point though, where you were like following that pressure and you were like, I need to be now the CMO because no. I, no, you were just, you've no. always been in tune with yourself. I, um, actually, let me, let me amend that. No, there was a time when I felt the pressure of following somebody else's rules, but then those fucking rules weren't working. When was that? I was early, early twenties. Like I had just gone to, um, PepsiCo. Right. And I was a manager and, you know, I was like a brand manager. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's like I laugh now, but it was like it was other people's like serious goals. You know, yeah, when I like and let me set up the scenario, actually. So at the time. <laughs> right. It's like, look, all of those companies, Pepsi, Coke, Kellogg, P&G, like all of these are very strong, old marketing companies. OK, mm -hmm. people think they're product companies or not product companies they're marketing companies. Yes. Okay? Right. They tell you that this. Water is the best water. And, oh, it's different from that water. Okay? They are marketing companies. And that's how they, they're the gold standard. So when you're a marketer or you're coming out of business school, you get an internship. Everyone, you know, gets their assignment. You go in as a class. The class is graded together. When you get into the company, they are promoted together. They are docked together. Like, that's the way it works. That's wild. I, I did not come from that school. I was over here hustling in New York City as an assistant to Spike Lee, grabbing coffee and going to pick up his kids and making copies. Okay? And I was like, oh, shit, I need to do, so I need to do something else. You know? My immigrant parents were yeah. like, look, you have a very expensive education. You better use it for something. Okay? I know that. And look, okay? <laughs> and at the same time, I think I felt it for myself, too, because I was just like, you know what? Like, I know I have more potential than this. This is just where I'm going to start because I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to do the other things. And so by the time I was able to not come through the front door or the side door, I crawled in the motherfucking window, okay, mm -hmm. to get to Pepsi, to get in there. And then once I was in there, I was really a strange being because you had all of these like Harvard Business School or you know, Wharton or all these other business school graduates who had come in as a class and they were a clique. Mm -hmm. They stuck together and they didn't speak to you if you weren't part of them. And there was no one else like me. So everyone who was like an associate brand manager had gone through the same. They were all together. They'd been together as interns. They came in as first years. Mm -hmm. They like they were all together. And then here comes this like black girl with the nose ring and a short Halle Berry <laughs> haircut, you know, like who did not fit in. I was wearing a bad suit, too, by the way. 
Great. <laughs> you know? And I tried. I tried. I really tried. You know, and it hurt, man. It was like I was sitting there, I would be in meetings and you know, I didn't I didn't fit in. I wasn't part of the clique and I wanted so desperately to be part of the clique. I really did. You know, who doesn't? Like yeah, there's not a yeah. so like, you lie so if you say you don't want to be down. I want to be down. You know, I want people to respect me, but I didn't have the things. I didn't have their pedigree. Even though I knew I was smart, I knew I was smarter than most of those motherfuckers. <laughs> but like I didn't have the pedigree and so I wasn't in with the kids and they didn't invite me to the bar after work and I didn't go to lunch with them. You know, I sat with the assistants. Okay. Shout out to the assistants at PepsiCo. Those were my, those are my, those are my crew, the cleaning crew, you know, like those were those were like my people. And then, you know, I started to make a few friends, but very soon I realized that like, you know, I wasn't going to get the promotion. I wasn't going to get, the raise that everybody else got. Cause I just wasn't, I wasn't part of them. And people were telling me that I should be grateful for the opportunity for having made it in because nobody made it in. Nobody made it in from the outside. So imagine, you know, mm-hmm. so how do you complain? Right. How do you sit there and say, Oh, woe is me. I'm not getting the promotion. Bitch, you're in. Yeah. Nobody gets in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so very quickly though, when I realized that like, I wasn't going to get promoted, not because I wasn't smart enough, but because I just wasn't down with the click. That's when it broke for me. That's when I realized that, like, look, I'm clearly not going to win by their rules. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. And I know that a lot of people feel that way, you know, but then what do you do? Of course, like either you have two choices, right? Fight or flight. That's our human response. Mm-hmm. You fight because, and then most of the time what happens is you fight so hard, you burn yourself out because you're fighting the system, a system that wasn't built for you. Mm-hmm. And so you're fighting this thing and these forces. It's kind of like, uh, you know, if you're a swimmer and, you know, you get caught in a riptide, they tell you, yeah. like, if you get caught, just go with the flow. Yes, right? you have if to you try surrender. To, yeah, if you fight it, you're going to fucking drown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's what happens to people. They drown in the corporate workspace because they're fighting. They're fighting so much against the system, they think they're going to change it. Or you had to take flight, which is what I did. I was like, well, fuck that. I'll just put this down. (laughs) You know, like, there's no, I can't fight this thing. This thing has been here long before me. I knew who the golden golden kids were. You know, I was friends with them. Yeah. You know, like there, and I can name them now, you know, (laughs) the ones that were chosen. And I wasn't them. And so very quickly when I realized that, like, that shit wasn't going to work. It just wasn't going to work. And it hurt. I won't pretend that it didn't. I won't pretend that I was sitting here like puffed out my chest and was like, yes, I'm baddest. No, like I felt bad and terrible and small. And insecure. You know? Yeah. And questioned everything. But it was when I put, literally when I put it down mm-hmm. and I was like, well, shit, I'm not going to win. So I might as well just do the thing I want to do. Right. That's actually when shit starts to change. Right. Who the fuck knew? Like, I totally accidentally found that. So by staying true to yourself, you found yes. this. Yes, yes. But you because then to... people kept coming to me for it, which was a complete turn of, it was the plot twist. Coming I did not to realize. you for you. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. So how do you, when you're in this situation, you're like, I feel like shit. I'm never going to be accepted. I'm never going to be promoted. And I do think that's a big problem in our culture is like, mm-hmm. 
you should be grateful. Yeah. You know, like you shouldn't strive for more because you should be grateful. Like you should be yeah. grateful you even have this. I think that happens a lot with women. Mm-hmm. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, but you have a seat at the table. So yeah. why are you complaining? Right? right. But that's almost like toxic positivity. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. like being like, it's all good. It's like, it's not good. It's yeah. not, not feeding my soul. It's not good. Right. So you have this moment and you're like, okay, I need to just shift gears. Mm-hmm. What does that like literally look, feel like? Um, well, I think Did that's you where leave, it's, You didn't leave the job. No, I didn't leave the job. Up. I didn't leave the job. But that's why I think it can be confusing because it is almost like counterintuitive, you know, mm-hmm. because it is giving up. Yeah, it is surrender. laying down. Yeah, it is surrender. It is saying like, well, fuck, I guess I will never be promoted here. Okay. You know, and some <laughs> people feel like that's like defeat or like failure if you're just like, well, I guess this will never happen. Let me just... It's you acceptance. Know? But yeah, you have it's to like, accept you to have move to. forward. You have to. You yeah. will die yes. if you don't accept the position you're in. Like you got to open your eyes and see the reality of things. Yes. Too many people are outside looking at a situation and making all kind of shit up. I see it on Instagram all the time <laughs> where they're just like, oh yeah, you know, this is a terrible situation, but I'm going to turn it around because I'm the baddest. Blah, 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 blah. Nah, bitch. Open <laughs> your eyes. It's open your change. eyes. <laughs> you know, it's not going to change. And you are fantastic, but it's not going to change because of you. Yeah. Okay? So now you got to be real and look at the situation and figure out what are you going to do? You know? And for me, that meant I had to look at it and see that like, okay, these golden boys here, they're the ones who are going to get it. They're, they're on the fast track. They were getting promoted faster than me. I had an intern. Okay? When by the time I was a manager, I had an intern who was really smart, really amazing. Uh, went to Harvard. And... Um, <laughs> Loved her, by the way. Still love her. And I realized that she, at the point when I made my turn, she had just been promoted higher than me. Wow. And I was like, got it. Got it, Mm -hmm. got it, got it. You know? But the thing is that by laying down (laughs) and kind of giving up, (laughs) what instead happened was that I really did then show up as myself because I was no longer pretending and trying to be the thing that everybody else wanted. And I thought that that was going to leave me in the middle. And by the way, again, not a hero story that like I was really okay with that. I was like, you know what? I am higher than anybody my family has ever been. I've gone farther. Right. And by the way, that is a big coup. That is a win. And yes, people in my family and in my circle were praising me for that, for just having made it into the middle you know, into this like unattainable place. It wasn't satisfying to me though. And so to the question about fulfillment, it's like, I didn't feel fulfilled because I'd made it, you know, to some degree I felt fulfilled because I was like, oh shit, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the thing. Like I said, I wanted to do mm-hmm. this and now I'm doing it. So I feel happy with that. And then it was like, okay, well, I'm just going to do more of what I do because that's just going to make me happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then it was like, look, I, and it's no secret now, of course, it's like my calling card that I love pop culture. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like music and fashion and politics and gossip and sports mm-hmm. and all of the things. Like, I love every single bit of it. And that then became my calling card because I just showed up at work like that then. I stopped trying to do the thing that they said I need to do to get promoted. Because I was like, well, that's a waste of time. I'm in the freaking, like, I'm in, I'm in the rip current. Like, I'm going to drown. And I had a boss at the time who, by the way, in my DMs now, 
um, who was like, yeah, of course, yeah, of course, Poetic justice. you know, who was just like, you know, Bose, like you've got to get, you know, your, your data, like the data is what's going to win you. If you want to be the CMO of like a big gold standard marketing company like this, you've got to know your data better and you don't know it. And I'm like, I hate that shit. It's not what makes me tick. Yeah. Right. Like I want to look at the people and I want to look at culture and I want to say like, do you see what Paris Hilton was doing? Because yeah. that bitch right there, she gonna do this. And we need to be right there when she gets there. Right. Not because like the data told me yeah. that people are drinking more cherry flavored sodas. Right. right. It's more calculated and robotic versus being like authentic. Correct. and. So was this like a big creative. turning point for you to be like, okay, well, I'm not going to fit in. I'm going to embrace my individuality instead. I know my strengths. I know my magic. And I'm going to use that as a superpower. And I know it's going to get me places. No, I didn't know it was going to get me places. You did. I thought it was going to leave me in the middle. But I think that's the part of surrender that is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Is that when you truly accept yourself for exactly who you are, you don't even realize the impact that that has in the world and right. around around you. You know, people, I didn't know. Yeah. I had no idea. And so, yeah, when people started coming to me because, like, I was like, ah, fuck the data. I don't know anything about that. You know, like, <laughs> but did you hear what happened at the game last night, though? You know? And then people, and actually, I remember the first time I thought it was important or that it stopped me in my tracks because my CMO at the time, this amazing woman, C. Nicholson, she was the CMO of PepsiCo. And um, there was an issue with Mountain Dew, the Product was like hemorrhaging. It was just the business was going terrible. And by the way, it was like a winning business. Like it was almost the damn biggest Pepsi, mm-hmm. you know. And um, it was hemorrhaging, and they were doing all the analysis, and everybody was—I mean, all hands on deck. People were running in and out of her office. I was watching them go by, like shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, well, I, I heard that yellow dye number five causes guys' packages to shrink. That's what I heard. <laughs> you know, and it was like. Everybody stop. And I'm like, that's what they were saying uptown at uh, Rucker Park when I went up there and I was watching the basketball. That's what they said. And that's why they're not drinking it. You know, and it was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, all the guys, all the athletes are saying that yellow dye number five, which is in Mountain Dew, causes your package to shrink. So they're not going to drink it. And it was like, Come into my office. You know what I mean? And that was the moment I was just like, oh, shit. Because, look, I had been up at Rucker Park in Harlem. Shout out to Harlem. (laughs) Because, like, that was the spot to be in the summertime. Yeah. Like, look, four o'clock, that court was hot. That's where all the NBA guys were up there playing. There was no rules. It was the toughest of the toughest guys. They were out here, no fouls, like killing themselves on the court. The crowd was going nuts. You had an announcer on the like court screaming at people, calling them names. It was all testosterone. And yeah, I was sitting up there. You're like, I want to be there in the heat. And that's what I heard <laughs> when I was up there. And that's what I was doing in the business. So if you don't know that, if you're sitting in the office and all you're doing is counting cases and data and you're not in touch with the, the outside world, know? then how, how are you going gonna... to know? Yeah. And so I realized the power in that moment, even though I didn't know how it would affect my career for the long term. But when C came to me and said, what did you say? And come into my office. I want to hear more about that. Mm-hmm. And then rewrote a strategy based on what I said. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then I was just like, ooh. What else can I tell you? Because I I have more information. You know what I mean? Like, I have have more information from the people. Right. And it was incredible because um, 
what happened is that then people kept coming to me, you know, and saying, like, hey, so like, what's the hottest thing on blah, 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 blah? Or what is the coolest music? Or like, what's the, you know, what's the shoe that we should go with? We're going to partner with somebody. You know, that's what started to happen. And it wasn't anything that somebody could go copy because I knew it because I liked it. And because I had, it was me, you know, and that's why then I felt comfortable with being even more so me because of that moment. You're being validated for For your your unique value. Yeah. 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 So then how did you, when did you leave PepsiCo? I left twice. The first time I left, it was actually right after, right around that moment, you know, because then I was just like, well, what the hell am I doing wasting my time here? I need to go run like a fashion company. That's what I need to do. <laughs> yeah. And so, and by the way, I had never been in charge of anything before. Um, and there was a small little company called Ashley Stewart that was run out of New Jersey. And um, I'd also just had my first baby. And um, I, w- I had gained 70 pounds during my pregnancy. <laughs> and, you know, I wasn't, Lane Bryant was cutting it, no shade to Lane Bryant, but you know, they didn't have the styles I wanted. They were all in tan and black and brown. <laughs> Clearly, yeah, like, I was like, yeah. where's the animal print? You know what I mean? And they were not doing that. But Ashley Stewart was, for plus size women, they were, they had all kind of patterns. And um, I got that magic call, you know, from HR and they were like, we're looking for head of marketing. And I'm like, oh, you want me, I should be in charge of this? That's amazing. Whereas like at PepsiCo, like they were, I was still stuck as a manager. Yeah. I was like, I quit. I'm taking that job. And I went there and it was a disaster. I mean, like within three months, I knew I wasn't going to last, but I didn't tell anybody that. (laughs) Um, Which was, by the way, another awakening, you know, just about, I guess, to the point, like knowing yourself, you know, because like I didn't know enough about the business. And I thought like my knowledge about fashion and what's cute and hot would skate me through. And Mm -hmm. that was a lie. That was not going to help me because I needed to be more knowledgeable about the business. And I was super arrogant. And that I got humbled quick, you know, in in under a year, they asked me to leave, you know, and I was like, well, here you go. Tail between my legs, (laughs) you know, like, how do you, you know, how do you get back? I mean, I was devastated, but I called PepsiCo back (laughs) one of my old, uh, you know, colleagues there. And I was like, hey, look, like, seriously, y'all doing it all wrong. I'm like, I know you know that, you know, it's like you've got a bunch of marketers who come out of business school. They have like blue collared shirts on. Mm -hmm. They're not out in the world. They don't know what's going on. They're spending tons of money on sponsorships when they don't know like the hot song from like the disc record. Uh, They don't know the inner workings of sport. They don't know anything. And all they're doing is also rotating on these businesses every 15 to 18 months. And so they, by the time they understand what's happening with this thing, they're off to the next one. So we need like a center of excellence, one person or a team who understands what's happening in the world and can translate that. And I want to run it. That was the beginning. That was literally the beginning of me creating my own jobs everywhere. Because I said, let me come back. Yes, I've been super humbled. But let me come (laughs) back. I will do that job. I don't want to be back in the mix. I don't want to be the manager of Pepsi or I won't fight anybody for that. You, y'all can keep that. Okay. I'm not going to get in your way. Nobody mm-hmm. has to hate me. I'll just come in and I'll do the pop culture job and you can leave me alone. <laughs> but let me ask you this. How do you have such a strong sense of confidence and self-worth? Because first of all, to even go back to PepsiCo to ask for a job and then to tell them that they're doing it all wrong and they need to create this own division for you to <laughs> yeah. run yeah. is 
a lot, yeah. right? From a self-confidence, self-worth standpoint. Like I had a really hard time even asking for a raise like yeah. in New York. Like I was so, you know, like mm. timid and like shy and like, yeah. what are they going to think? Especially in a male dominated culture, which I'm sure PepsiCo was a lot yeah. of like suits and traditional yeah. ways of doing things. Sure. So first, where do you develop this like sense of self-worth? How do you foster it? And also like your daughter, how are you enabling yeah, her to yeah, have that because like that's something it. I'm really curious about like I really want my own future child to have a strong sense of self-worth and to stand yeah. up for herself but where does that come from well I mean again like I wish I could tell you some big like heroin story <laughs> right but I think some of it came from real like desperation I didn't <laughs> have a choice you know, I did not have a choice but you did no you I could didn't flail you know you could just well, feel like let me put it this way. I didn't have a choice because like, I felt like I didn't have a choice but to go ask for a job because I didn't come from parents who could float me. Right. You know? Okay. And I had a daughter who was a year. And, you know, I talk about this actually in my book. Now people don't know. Like, my husband and I separated at the time. And so I was out here as a young single mom who had now had a big bomb mm-hmm. in her career. And I had no choice but to, like, come crawling back to a safe space, a place I knew. So there's one, right? Because it wasn't all bravery. I could have gone to a new company. I didn't. I was like, let me go back to these people. Okay, they know me. They know how special I am because they know I like pop culture. They appreciated you. But I was doing it while pretending to do the job that they wanted to do and that I was not good at. That much I knew. And so if there was any knowledge of self, it was just that like, hey, look, I know where my talents are, but they're just being used wrong. And so I was like, hey, look, I I know I can do this thing. And I was doing it like 40% of the time when I was there before. Let me do it 100% of the time. And I very well knew that the answer could be no. And by the way, when I first came back, I was there as a freelancer. I I was just like, I will take anything. I'll take anything. And so then going in and then really feeling like, okay, I got a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. got the toe in the door. Now let me go and crush this. You know, and that and that came from desperation. It didn't it didn't really come from like just confidence and knowing that I had it. It was just a combination, that magic combination of feeling like your back is against <laughs> the wall or you're way down. Or you got to you got to punch your way up. And you know what the thing is that like, look, I don't know if my daughter will have that. I'm not quite sure. Right. Because I've worked my ass off enough to catch her. You know, like, God forbid something happens in her life. I'm in a position where I can catch her. Mm -hmm. My parents couldn't, you know. So will she have the same gumption or like grit? I mean, like when I tell you that my teeth were bared, like I was like, I am going to make it by like claw marks by any means necessary. I was not giving up. I don't know if she'll have that because she'll have me. (laughs) You know, but to some degree, what I hope that I am teaching her is that nothing comes to you easy. You know, and that like your understanding of your place in the world, your talents is more important than somebody else dictating that to you. That is why when somebody says, oh, like, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, don't answer that. (laughs) Because what the fuck is the point of that? You know what I mean? Like, how she know what she wants to be when she grows up? She's going to figure it out. 
But in the meantime, she's going to flex her muscles and she's going to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And maybe there's something that she likes and I will help encourage that. And I also want her to be able to use her own voice, you know, to describe the things that she wants or the ways that she wants to be. And so I'm conscious of those things. And my hope is that, yes, it spits out a human (laughs) who is strong enough in themselves, who's been given the opportunity to explore and use her own voice, and that she'll do that on her own. Girl's an experiment. I don't know if that's going to (laughs) happen. Well, I saw the uh, Christmas PowerPoint you made her do for her Christmas gifts, and I love that. I'm totally doing that with my kids because it's important for them to learn how to pitch themselves and to tell a story as to why they need something and convince people and articulate it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. By the way, I didn't even know that was like unconventional until (laughs) until people said, yeah, until like the post started going and like, and then the Today Show called and I was like, what? I was like, are you, are you serious? I was like, is this that, that interesting? And I was like, oh shit, I guess it is interesting. You yeah. know? And now people keep tagging me in these power presentations to these kids. And I'm like, oh God, there's going to be a riot out there. Some <laughs> little kids are going to get, some fourth graders are going to come get me. Yeah. You know, they're going to be like, damn you, Bose. <laughs> now I have to exactly. present the PowerPoint. But I only did that because like, you know, I, I, I told the Today Show this, but like when my husband died, my daughter was four, Right. And all I wanted to do was fill her world with stuff. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And that's a pretty natural feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they got this big, big hole and I just filled it, you know, bought her everything, anything she wanted, all the things. And it was hollow, you know, even for myself. Like I did that too. <laughs> you know, I bought everything. Anything is like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, consumerism. Let me just mm-hmm. get all the things. And then at some point I was like, oh, this, this, this doesn't actually feel good. You know, this is not great. Mm-hmm. And my daughter's a super sweet person. Thank God, because Lord knows, like after an experience like that, you probably, you know, it's like you have this trauma. She could probably have manipulated me into doing anything, you know, but she's very, very sweet natured person. Thank God. And she asked me pretty quickly, like, you know, you know, for things that were pretty basic, you know, she didn't make up weird, crazy things. But I felt like 
you know, again, I'm a storyteller and I'm a, I'm curious about people, even curious about my own kid, you know? And so I, I don't actually remember what the toy was now that she asked me for, but I just asked her why, you know, she was so obsessed with the thing. I was just like, but why, why do you like that thing? And then, you know, so that's how it really started with me just asking her why she wanted whatever thing that she wanted. And then it turned into the like, okay, you're going to make your list, you know, at that point, like when she was little, like six, seven years old, she'd like watch TV. And then, you know, now it's like all the Christmas toy Mm -hmm. uh, commercials are up. Yeah. Shout out to marketers. (laughs) And she would, she would like make a little, like when she started to write, she would make little notes on the things that she saw that she wanted. So she wouldn't forget. Yeah. And so then she'd like have this list and I'd be like, well, why do you want these things? You know, you wrote this stuff down. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, then it became like a little presentation and it really has just grown since then. I She's really that. the one mm-hmm. who has made it the presentation that it is now. I didn't even really ask her to do all of that. It was just that like it's evolved. You were I just think curious. this notion of why and like being curious has played a huge role in your life and your mm-hmm. career, right? Like, I think you've been in like six different industries as a top executive. And yeah. like a lot of people will be like, well, how does she like do that? But it's really because you're so curious, right? Yes. About how these industries work and like how you can tell a story to create the brand in a better light or, or whatever it is. But I think yeah. curiosity is something that is so important for your growth internally and also to instill in your kids yes. to teach them them how to be curious and to always want to learn because in the end of the day, like we're here to constantly evolve and to learn. Yes. And if we're not learning, what's the point? What? Yes. Well, what's the point? Yes. Yes. Right? What's the it's point? True. What is it's the true. point? And the thing is that honestly, it's like, even when I met you, Jasmine, it's like, look, I, I took the job of Beats, not because like I knew what music streaming was. I really didn't. I really didn't know anything about tech. I, mm-hmm. I had no idea what that was about. I was just more interested in like, and I guess, yes, curious about how music consumption was going to change. It had already begun changing, Mm -hmm. you know, because when I was at PepsiCo and like had developed this whole music entertainment group thing, we were still, you know, working with artists who were selling albums in store or on iTunes, you know? And when I heard about Beats Music and it was like, streaming, it didn't make any sense to me, you know? And so, by the way, I think some some of my, some of my success has also just been like pure naivete and a little bit of gumption, you know? Right. Where it's like, I didn't think like, oh, I should know more about this thing before I go looking for this job. I thought, well, I don't know what that thing is and this looks interesting and I would like Let to do it. Let me go learn. Yeah. I would like to go do that thing. Yeah. You know? So, but I've always been very honest about that. And I think to some degree that has endeared me to especially founders. You know, the one constant in my career is that I've worked for a lot of founders, you know, people who created the thing that has become this massive thing, you know? And my conversations always aren't that like I'm the super expert who's coming in. I'm just so curious about the thing they've created, you know, and I want to help them make it even better. And I think that to some degree that has helped me a lot because my insatiable curiosity matches their insatiable need for growth. Right. You know, and so the two of us together then makes it feel like, ah, okay, she's, she, she may not know exactly what she's doing, <laughs> but she's hungry enough yeah. to go and, and get it or to understand it. Right. Well, it's like when they say people invest in founders, not in ideas. Yes. It's like they believe in you. 
because I was going to say, I always found, I think a huge part of your magic is also people. Mm. Yeah. Like I, I was love telling people. Annabelle, I was like, Bose is like the most personable, fun, like good energy. Like it's, you know, it's like so, and I think that's a huge thing too, right? So yeah. if you walk into a room and you're like, I don't really know, but I want to help. Yeah. It's so different. Yes. But I think yeah. that also plays into the power of vulnerability. Cause so I started a business too, and I had no idea what I was doing. I went into the airport space because mm. airport food sucks. So I was like, let's Ooh. create ghost kitchens for airports um, and create like a more modern way of ordering food and getting quality food in airports. But oh I knew God. nothing about airports. And I found that when I was fundraising and when I was trying to find partners and I was trying to find an airport that would give me a chance, yeah. instead of pretending like I knew everything about the airport space, which I didn't, I was super vulnerable and open. And they said, like, listen, like, I have no idea how the airports work. Yeah. And I understand you're very bureaucratic and you're run a certain way. Yeah. But I have a passion. I have a vision. I have a way it should be like this, like new way it should be. And yeah. I need support from you to help make this happen. And through that, I found key people to believe in me from that place of vulnerability. And yeah. I don't think I would have ever gotten those partnerships if I had just been like, oh, I know exactly what I'm yeah. doing. Right. Oh it was like, gosh. just like, does a business still exist? Yeah. Yeah. It's called Breeze. Um, Breeze. It's at LEX. You order on your phone and it comes out from from I the think ghost I might kitchen. Have ordered. Yeah, because yeah, you're a Delta. You have person. ordered. <laughs> we, you did order. Oh my yes. God. Let me tell she you did something. Order and she posted about I it. Did. Too. I did post about it. <laughs> yeah. Because and also because the woman <laughs> who was there, like literally standing there. She yeah. was phenomenal. We asked me hired like the, well. I like so curious about people. I literally just started peppering her the questions. Yes. Because like I was standing there reading the thing. By the way. Jasmine knows this. I get to the airport super late. Like, oh, I'm yeah. not one of those people I who gets there and is like Delta, walking around. Right? And you're yeah. Delta. Girl, I, yes. So, so by the way, Delta is an investor of the company. Get out of here. You know what? I love that. That was, Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's brilliant. That. I was so excited. I literally was just like, girl, I almost missed my flight <laughs> standing there talking to her. And then I, and then I, yeah, then when I tagged, I like, you know, was yeah, back and forth yeah. on Instagram and the messages. Yeah, oh, we were, I was so Look thrilled this. when I saw that. I was that like, was wow. Amazing. So, yes, you've seen it. This but that famous. happened because of the power of vulnerability. Yes. I would have never done that. And oh also, COVID, <laughs> COVID shut so us down. Um, you came like in the like post-COVID era where things were still yeah, weird. Yeah. COVID shut us down overnight. I had no idea what I was oh doing. And it was like a lesson of resilience to get it back up and running. But yeah. again, I leaned into like the vulnerability. I was oh like, this is not easy. What do I do? Like, who mm, can help mm, me? Mm. But if you're not vulnerable, you're never going to find the right support yeah. Yeah. right yeah. around you. You can't oh do God. everything alone. By the way, I'm totally distracted now. <laughs> My, I'm totally like I have so many uh, questions I, I for just, I, Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, this, we'll this do is, a part two. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because that's, it's like, you're so right. I mean, look, the thing, the truth of it, right, is that like, you have to have some vulnerability. I think maybe that is part of like my story also, right? Yes. Which is this like enormous vulnerability. Going into spaces where uh, I may not know everything, certainly don't look like anybody else, you know? My background isn't like other people. Mm -hmm. And because I've been in six industries, it means that like most of the time when I come in and there are other senior executives around, they've been in that industry their entire career. Yeah. Right. So they're looking at me like, what is, is she this? doing here? Like, yeah, hot shot who thinks she knows something. You know, and I'm literally like, no, I didn't say that. I didn't, I didn't say I know anything at all, <laughs> by the way. I didn't. Don't, don't put that on me. But inevitably, that's what happens. And so, yes, you do have to like put down your sword and look at people. And say the thing that most people don't say, which is like, 
look, I'm here to help. I don't know everything. I know some things. I'm really good at some things. I'm really bad at these other yeah. things. But I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to learn. And if a lot you of people are me, not, I will help you. I promise you. Like, we're going to be great partners. If only you help me a little bit. Okay? Because yeah, we right. both got to win. And that, I can't tell you how many relationships that's changed. 100%. One of my affirmations I say every morning is, I am willing to change and to grow. It's part of Louise Hay. Mm. But it, again, it's like a lot of people aren't willing to change and to grow. Yeah. And they want to subscribe to status quo, people right? People yeah. just want to be right and want to be... Yeah. But I think another thing that you've done, Bose, in your career is that this like notion of like not okay with mediocrity, right? Mm. You're like, okay, well, you know, Uber, my time's up because I'm starting to feel like I'm not learning as much. Great. Let's go to Netflix. And, you know, after Netflix, you know what? Maybe this doesn't feel right anymore. I'm going to bank on myself, right? Like, how do you like, like get out of a corporate culture that does everything to keep you in the system and yeah. to just and that's like cushy and great salary and great work environment, whatever. And you're mm. like, you know what? I'm not learning anymore. I'm banking on myself now. Yeah. Next. Tough one. I'm actually working with a friend right now, unnamed company, but you can probably guess who's going through some turbulent times in the digital social media space. And I'm super, super frustrated with this friend because they will not leave. <laughs> and I'm like you don't need this. Like this is this this place is not helping you. You know, it's like a it's, toxic it's, boyfriend. it's terrible. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. And if you left, nobody would blame you. Mm-hmm. You know. So like, why are you still there? You know. And to to that answer, I think a lot of it is the psychology of comfort. You know, feeling like I've got to be able to feel good. You know, in order to to be successful. Like, I've always got to be in this place where, like, I've worked so hard to get to this place of comfortability. Why would I give that up so easily? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that, like, you've got to jump to jump just because, you know, or, like, switch things up just because. That's not it. It's, like, recognizing the fact that, like, like they say, where there's smoke, there's fire, you know? And if you start feeling like you can't breathe all that well and there's some smoke in the room, whoo, look, it only behooves you to get up and run out of the house. You know, and maybe that's your own little personal fire. It probably is not affecting anybody else. Well, this particular company is affecting everybody. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes it doesn't affect everybody else. Everybody else is fine. And you just realize that, like, oh, no, it's not working for me. Things are getting a little too hot. And for me, what has happened, which is sometimes different from other people, I think everybody has their own points of, like, okay, this is not working for me. Mine has always been when I feel like my voice is no longer being heard. You know, and perhaps that's just a trigger, you know, there's some trauma in there, which is that like, you know, at this point, yes, I have a mass enough experience and enough confidence to know that I do know what I'm talking about, even when I'm in a new industry. And when I feel like the environment is not conducive, conducive, you know, or I feel stepped on or I Mm -hmm. feel like I'm not, yeah, like I'm not heard, maybe not respected look, I'm not wasting my time. Like, there's no reason why I should. And I think that's tough for some people to think about when you're like, oh, bank on yourself. I don't know even so much that. I think some of it is like my pride too. Yeah. You know, which steps in. My ego, which steps in. Someone's like, well, fuck you then. (laughs) I'm out of here. And yes, of course, it takes some guts to do that because there's no no guarantee that you're going to land on your feet. Yeah. You know, except for the fact that, like, I have been able to navigate in my experiences being able to land something before I jump. But 
it's the knowing I have to jump that actually allows me to go find the next thing. Right. Right? It's never just that like, oh, somebody just ambled along and said, oh, no, it was some like trigger. And I do believe in energy and I believe in the universe. It tr- I triggered something, mm-hmm. you know, because my mind and my spirit, I was like, oh, I'm done here. Okay, right. I'm open to the next opportunity. And then that opportunity comes. I'm like, fantastic. Here, I'll take that. Goodbye. And then I'm off. Yeah. You know? right. And this past March was probably the first time where I said, okay, I'm, I think I'm done. I didn't have a traditional next job, you right. know, where it's like people were like, oh, so what are you going to do now? I can't wait to see it. I can't <laughs> wait to see where you're going to go. And I'm just like, well, you could wait because I don't, need, I don't know either. I don't know either. If, if you find out, tell me. Right. Yeah. Does this go back to your sense of urgency? Because I know mm. you've been you've been very open about, you know, the grief that ensued following your husband's passing. But yeah. one of the things you mentioned is that you learned about this urgency. And when people think of urgency, people think, oh, like she has to do so much and busy, 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 but no, right? It's about the depth of the experience that you're living. And it's not about putting things off like, oh, I'll do that tomorrow or whatever. No, like I'm doing it now. And if something feels right to you, you want to go do it now. So is that what you were feeling, that urgency after Netflix? You were like, no, I want to do me now. Yeah. Well, and you know what? Probably the the best explanation of my my version of urgency is actually in my book, you know, which is that like, look, people have asked me to write this book forever. They've been asking me to write this book for a decade, okay? By the way, when I went to pitch my memoir, a few of the publishers who were bidding for my book said, you know what? We will buy this book if you write your career book first, okay? So we will publish this memoir, but we want the career book. That's the deal. Again, putting it in a box. Yeah. And I had to be like, no, thank you. And these were some big ass deals that my agent was like, well, Pose, you know, we should really reconsider. You know, and <laughs> yeah. I'm like, ah, well, I don't think so. You know, like, I don't even mind doing it the other way around. Like, if you say, okay, look, we're going to publish your memoir, but we want the career book, I might even consider that, even mm-hmm. though I like that plan, even yeah. I like it less also because I'm just like, I'm not going to be tied to anything. But I would accept that if you're going to publish my memoir. But I, I didn't. I didn't write it because I wasn't ready to write it. Mm -hmm. But then when I was ready to write it, I wrote it. And then when I realized that it was going to take up a lot of time in order to literally birth it into the world, I was like, oh, I need to I need to focus on only that because like I can't use my creativity and all of the things that I do and put them on this brand and give the little shit pilly things over to my book. It's just not possible. Right. You know? So yeah, I have to leave one of the hottest jobs and everybody thought I was crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Literally everyone. There was not one person who said, you know, that's a good idea. But again, it's not about them. It's your life. That's what I'm saying. Your own fulfillment you're chasing, not anyone else's. Exactly. So then it's like, yeah, I didn't have an answer when people were like, oh, so what are you going to do next? Oh my God, we can't wait. And I'm like, well, I published my book in a year. <laughs> you were like, in a year? Why would you quit now? And I'm like, no, nah, I got to get ready. You don't understand. Like, this this thing is not easy, man. It's not easy. You know? But the truth is that, like, the urgency in my life is knowing that I've got to do the thing on my own timing and not waiting for somebody else to dictate when that's going to be, you know? Or wait till retirement. Why don't you wait till then? Because then you would have this long, amazing So much career. time, yeah. 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 You'll have more content to write about. Do that. And I'm like, hmm, 
that's not really going to work for me because I kind of want to do the book now. We need to get the memoir out right now. You know, it's, it's actually not a career book. It's, right. not, it's not about like the how to become the CMO. It's well, not that. I also think it's a fallacy to believe that like these things are siloed in your life. Right. Like being put in a box, especially yeah. as a woman. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's like, I mean, I think we do it to men too, honestly, but like, why would it be? It's not separate. Yeah, exactly. Like a part of what makes you you in your career is your yes. personal life and the experiences you've like where right. you came from, your parents, yeah. Lael, all yeah. of that. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's really interesting. And that's something that we, I think it makes us feel safe. Yeah, I know. To be like, there's one path to be successful and there's yeah. another path to be successful at home. Like, I think yeah. that's a. It's weird. You know, it's funny. I remember uh, my first staff meeting at Beats. Mm -hmm. We hadn't moved into like the new building yet. Mm -hmm. It was still in the old building. Um, The water garden. Yes, the water garden in LA. (laughs) And And I was living in New York. So I had flown in like the night before. And it was like Monday morning. And the whole staff had gathered, like the marketing group for Beats Music had gathered in a conference room. And I walk in with Judy, who is the HR person. And she's like, okay, everybody, here's your new CMO. And I'm like, you know, I walk in and um, I remember like looking at the faces and being like, oh gosh, they want me to like tell them some big magical thing because Beats Beats Music had been launched in like January and this was April. And they were like waiting for me to tell them like, okay, here's our strategy on how we're going to make this like the next biggest thing. And oh, by the way, we're the baby to the electronics team over there. Yeah. But like, we're going to become the big guy, you know, like they were waiting for that. And I sat down at the seat at the top of the board table and I told them that my husband had died five months before and that I was in deep grief. And that um, I was going to throw myself into the work because I didn't know what else to do. I had a four-year-old daughter and I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. I'm moving my whole life from New York to L.A. And so I'm putting everything on, like Mm -hmm. all chips in. So that's the way I'm going to behave in this job. And I was like, and if anybody doesn't feel like that, then you can leave. Because I'm going to expect everybody to come in at 100%. If I'm dealing with this shit over here, and I'm taking this big risk and moving. But that's where, again, I feel like there's such power and vulnerability. Because if I was in that conference room, I would be like, yes, like that's the leader that I right. want. Someone who can just be open and tell me what's going in their life. Yeah. Right. Whereas a lot of people will walk into the conference room and pretend everything's OK. Yeah. And then I can't relate to them at all. And then I won't be able to do my best for that person. Correct. But I have found that to be a learned thing, too, you know, because um I think from that, it's like even my own leadership style has very much been like, look, I'm going to probably overshare. (laughs) (laughs) And it's okay for you to do the same thing, you know, because like we're all human beings trying to just live this experience and this existence. And if I don't know what's going on with you, how am I going to help you? You know, that was I always felt that way. Yeah. You as my boss. Yeah. That's why I was like, well, I feel like we're friends. So (laughs) maybe, maybe to a fault, but I'd be like, yeah, because we, we talked about a lot of things. I would in that office, her office and like hang out with her all day. Yeah. We would just shut the door. I'm very jealous that you had some conversations. Yeah. I mean, look, I told Jasmine about like, 
dating. I think you got me on Raya. Did you yes, not get I me on Raya? Get you on oh Raya. Did you God. ever you go imagine? on dates? Girl, no. I never went on not one date on that daggone thing. I don't know about that's Raya. That's probably me. That's that's definitely my fault. Yeah, but whatever, well, it's fine. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> you're, I don't think you're missing much. No, definitely not. So we don't have that much time left, but there's oh, something that I, I, I wanted know, to ask it. you. So I think this notion of like finding inner peace and happiness within is something that's extremely underrated. And and I read this quote that you said, and I just wanted to ask you about it. So you said, like, I'm free in every sense, physically, emotionally, and mentally. That is my superpower, especially when the world tries to make me feel like I have to shift to change to fit into someone else's standard. I refuse to bow down because my very being is an active revolt. Mm. So I expand. Mm. And right? <laughs> Even you're impressed with your own quote. <laughs> oh it's incredible. So how do you maintain this yeah. inner freedom and peace mm. because I think in the end of the day sometimes we're so caught up in what the world's doing yeah. and subscribing to their norms and comparing ourselves and whatever and then we start to lose our inner peace but it always comes back to ourselves so yeah. how do you hold on to that Oof. well funny once you read it I know ex- exactly what I was feeling when when I wrote that and I think I think part of and again this maybe is like a counterintuitive thought, but I think part of freedom is um, having been bound by so much disappointment and hurt and grief and bad stuff, you know, that like, you know what it feels like to be bound by that. And you don't want that anymore, ever. You know? And it's like knowing the depth of yeah, grief and knowing the depth of like disappointment and fear and failure makes me super free because I'm not afraid of those things. They exist. And of course, I'm worried about it. Who wants to fail? Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to fail. I don't want anybody else in my life to die. I don't want that to happen. But will I survive if those things happen? Yes, I already have. I've already been there. I've already looked at the things You know, I already had my hand on my husband's chest when it stopped beating. I've already done that. And I'm still sitting here. You know, I'm still smiling. I Mm -hmm. still find joy. I'm still able to think about him, sometimes in tears and sometimes in happiness. Like, there is such freedom in that. And knowing that, like, should the worst things happen, I will still find a way. Like, I believe in myself that much. And that's why sometimes I do feel like I'm in active revolt around the world mm-hmm. <laughs> or in the world, you know, because everybody else is trying to feed you with this fear. You know, everybody else is trying to tell you like, oh, well, what if you lose your job? Or what if like that idea you have fails? Like, what if that doesn't take off? What if you're wrong? Mm-hmm. What if Breeze doesn't catch on? You know, then you're like, and it might not. But There's this quote, on. by the way. Oprah did this magnificent 60 Minutes interview at the beginning of her, when she just started to find fame. She was like in her early 30s. Mm-hmm. And oh, um, you posted this. Yeah. It's I my favorite interview of you all did, time. Were you supposed to recently? Yes. yes because Mike this. Wallace, who's of course a brilliant journalist, is asking her about her fears. You know, very rightfully so. Mm-hmm. In an interview where it's like, look, she's a plus size black woman who's coming up against like Sally, Jesse, Raphael and 
uh, oh God, I can't remember, everybody who was like big at the time and she's coming out of nowhere, not the like prized possession. And he started to ask her about like, what if it fails? You know, and she stopped him. And she was like, I will do well anyway. Mm-hmm. I love that. Because yes, it's like, look, the worst things have already happened to me and I will do well anyway. You know, if I never get another CMO job, I will do well anyway. Mm-hmm. That is not what defines me. And so the freedom to me is understanding the depth at which I have already been and knowing that I survived anyway. And that's why I feel like everyone in the world should feel that way. We should all feel so free because you don't have to have lost your husband. You don't have to have lost your kid. You don't have to have like been fired. You don't have to have like had your idea go bankrupt. You don't have to have had those terrible, awful things. But we have all faced disappointment. We have all faced plans that didn't go through. So you've already done it. Mm-hmm. You've already faced those things and you're still sitting here. So get up. Go ahead. Go do the thing that you want to do. Do it right now. Like, don't wait for another moment. Go, 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 go do it. So you are unbelievable. I have goosebumps. Unbelievable. <laughs> like, I know. So, so, okay. I'm sorry. I have so many questions. So I feel like it sounds like it's self-trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So self-trust. You're like, I've been through the worst. I've, yeah. I'm resilient because I know I can get through it. And yeah. I do think life hands you these things to be like, I can get through it and I'll be fine. Although some people do end up staying the victim for a long time mm-hmm. and don't, you know, learn or grow from those experiences. Do you feel like because you went through these experiences, that's where this confidence comes from and this self-belief yeah. and self-trust? Or do you feel like you always sort of had that when you were younger? Mm, I think it's a combination, you know? Um, and like, was it your parents instilling that yeah. in you? I mean, look, I come from people who like are just the probability that they succeed is so small, you know, just quickly. I mean, my dad came from a small village in Ghana, mm-hmm. in the very far Western corner. Even though his dad was the chief of the tribe, he was the last born child of the fourth wife. He was nothing, mm-hmm. you know? And then his mother died when he was two. And his dad died when he was 16. <gasps> and um, he was forgotten, you know? Didn't have any resources. Nobody was taking care of him. And he was sort of struck out on his own, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but a, a brilliant person, a, a genius to some degree, like a savant. Like, he's the guy who, like, hears a piece of music and can play it on any instrument without reading music. You know, he's that, he's got that kind of mind. And so, yeah, he came to the U.S. on a Fulbright scholarship, which is wild, not having had a high school education, got two PhDs, and then, like, raised four children mm-hmm. <laughs> with his wife. Like, it's an, impo- it's an impossible story. Mm-hmm. And so to some degree, yes, I come from stock you of people who have made it with nothing. Against all odds. Against every odd. Yeah. yeah. You know? And so, yeah, some of my confidence comes from knowing that I come from people like that. But so many of us do. do. So many of us have those stories. Mm -hmm. And so then why would you think that you don't have the ability? You know, it's already in your DNA. It's already in muscle memory. You know, all you got to do is pick up the weight. That's all you have to do, Mm -hmm. you know, in order to go. And then, yeah, to some degree, look, again, just because you've been through the trauma doesn't mean that you forget it. And you're just like, oh, I've been through this fine. Look, you, if you've ever been burned in a fire, if you ever had a burn, you know, you touch something hot, nothing tells you to touch that thing again. There's mm-hmm. nothing that tells you, like, oh, go touch it. It won't be so bad. No, it's, it's bad. It's as bad. Trauma is as bad the second time. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is that, like, you did survive that thing. And so my point is that, like, yes, there's great risk to getting hurt again or to failing again. 
but you know that you could probably get up. So the probability that you can get up is higher than you knew before. So go ahead and do it I love it. Okay, so the question we asked at the end of every podcast, our podcast is called, What's the Point? So we ask, what's the point? What is your why? What are you living by? Oh, what's the point? I'm really looking forward to being an old woman. (laughs) Really, I am. I'm so excited for her. You know, like 85-year-old Bose is going to be so dope. Can't wait. I'm so excited for who she is. So I think some of it is that, like, I just want her to have some really great stories. I want her her to, like, be able to sit on the porch and, like, tell these crazy-ass stories that people are going to be like, you did what? You know? Like, and so I guess to some degree I'm I'm living, you know, in hopes that like she's really excited about this life I've lived. And proud. And proud. Very, very proud. Well, thank you so much. Thank I you can't so much. tell you how much we appreciate this. I feel oh, like I just so like went through like a coaching therapy everything session. <laughs> I really um, need one. I have one question I really need to ask. Okay. It's yes. very technical, but I like genuinely want to know this. Uh-huh. So <laughs> We all have like a voice in our head that says some crazy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And that's like, and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Right. So going through all this stuff, are you, like, I have been Jamie, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Moses is the busiest person ever. (laughs) And she's so, she's talking to everyone. Like, you can't. So it's like, I know your schedule. Yeah. Do you make literal time and space in your calendar to reconnect with yourself Mm. or to like, Ground. Because that voice sometimes yeah. picks up things from your childhood or from that yeah. bully on the in school and elementary yeah. school. Like yeah. coming back to like not being distracted by like what's I think you have a really good sense of like, oh, this isn't for me anymore. Yeah. I gotta yeah. I gotta yeah. move. Yeah. You know, that but that's gut. it. That's it. But it, how do you know sometimes like what's your voice, what someone else's? Do you mm. feel like you're really in control of your mind? Yes. Yes, I you, do. So the stories I, you tell yourself. By the way, it's positive. a lot of practice. It's very, very difficult. I call intuition. I call it a lot right. of things. Right. I did this TED talk on the power of your intuition mm-hmm. because I felt like, well, back to the whole story about data. I was like, look, we, <laughs> we, and by the way, data is not just like the math of things. It's like the the running story in our heads, which tell us that like, oh, well, this happened and then that happened and that happened, so that can't happen. Yeah, we're like computers. We do that all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And so then, but your intuition is in there. That spirit or the gut or the vibes that tell you that like, oh no, that thing is right. Or like, keep going, you do it just fine. And then the, the, the math that tells you, no, it's not fine. It's not going to work. You have to actually train that voice to get louder. Right. Your you have wise to train your, to yeah, your intuition to get louder. You And by the way, it's like everything else. It's like, if you keep telling it, no, you don't listen to it. It's going to get quieter. It doesn't mm. get louder. It doesn't scream at you. Be like, I told you so, bitch. It's no, like it doesn't say that. Yeah. You have to give it confidence. You know, so it's like when your intuition says, don't go down that alley and you don't go down that alley, the next time your intuition says, okay, go down this alley, it'll be louder yeah. because mm-hmm. you listened. Right. What you focus on is in charge. If you yeah. don't focus on it, it loses its charge. Exactly. And even in that practice, like I have also become very, very, very good at, and this is going to sound crazy, but I'm very, very good at doing only things I want to do. Mm-hmm. Even in the midst of a job or like somebody else needs me to do something, I have now become so disciplined at only accepting the things that I want to do that it is no longer terrible to me to have to do the work or to Mm -hmm. be busy, you know, like busy. Because yeah, I have to run off and go do things all the time 
there are obligations, but they're all surrounding things that I want to do. And that has now been the case for a long time, only because I practiced that. Right. You're not glorifying just being busy to be busy. No. Okay, I needed to know that. We have so much to learn. Thank you. We need to do another episode because this is amazing. Thank you so much. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 